Unloose the goose. We'll take no views. Your paradigm's run out of time and we've got no use. Unloose the goose. Welcome to episode 53 of Unloose the Goose. We're here with Nicole Sauce. Tactical Redneck, who lives in the holler, and myself, Xavier Hawk. Today's episode, we're going to be taking questions from the audience. We're going to be discussing some of the current events that are taking place in the world around us, especially here in the United States, as it relates to the biomedical police state that's rapidly unfolding around us, and what's going on around the world in regards to this, and what are some ways that we as individuals, you as audience members in your various professions, can um, address it, move with it, tactically understand your your trajectory through this and how to best find your way out of it uh, on the other side and what that looks like from an agorist perspective. So without further ado, we have uh, Tactical Redneck, who's new to the show here, I believe. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? So I'm the Tactical Redneck. I live about 30 yards that way. So I kind of usually watch this live from the other side of the wall (laughs) there you go so what what's it like living in the holler over there is Um, nicole really the benevolent dictator that we all think she is no (laughs) it's star spangled awesome i mean yeah way to describe it i've got a wonderful view we've got lots of wonderful animals and lots of really 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 good food because most of it comes from here yeah yeah, yeah. And so in terms of uh, your, your food consumption, what would you say the percentages is like 70, 80 percent of uh, the food that you're eating and consuming grown there? I don't know for vegetable wise, meat wise. I mean, for me, because I get some other stuff, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but there's a cow that comes from the local area. All of the chicken and stuff that we've been eating here. There's all stuff that we grew out. Nice. We've got pigs that are growing out right now. But aside from that, I mean, really the only meat that I've bought from the store recently was bacon and sausage and some, like, deli ham. Yeah, right, this is right. the thing. We're kind of living na- – we're neighbors, right? He lives next mm-hmm. door. I have two more neighbors that live next door. And so different ones of us are on different scales of how peeled back from the system we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he'll still buy vegetables at the store. I rarely buy a vegetable at the store. I bought cilantro because it's not cilantro season right now. And right. Uh, other than that, I've, I would say I'm at about 80, which Very is a good. lot. And that's, yeah, that's but I that's count really like n- nearby farms count for me. I buy stuff from nearby farms. Same. Right, right. That that right. makes sense. That's, that's a good, uh, that's actually a good qualifier there. It's like if you're buying from your neighborhood, you know, or your local community, does that really count as, you know, consumption out in the greater market? No, that's really awesome. And in terms of your guys' level of preparedness, let's say, let's say they do say forced mass, forced mandates, forced vaccines, all of that bullshit that, that seems to be happening. Uh, <laughs> how well prepared, which is apropos to this discussion, how well prepared are you to just sort of like, you know, uh, mythologically close the gates off and be like, you know, good luck out there? 
Like, how well would you guys be able to sustain, and how how uncomfortable would it be for you? Pretty easy, because we've already done it. I mean, me personally, when COVID first started, we had, I've got a number of people in the medical profession that I can talk to, and I called and was like, hey, you know, CNN's screaming about the new pandemic. It's going to kill the world. And he was like, uh, yeah, this one actually kind of looks like a thing. Yeah. I was like, oh, well, right, right. what do I actually need from the store in the near future? What did the store stock up on a couple of things? And then I didn't really leave here for like six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it, it's kind of a situation. I mean, when you have a freezer full of food and you're growing a lot of your own stuff, you know, I mean, at the time I just sold my aquaponic system that I had at the time, but it was like, you know, if I want fresh greens, I walk out the back door. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So it's I, maybe not go ahead, Nicole. I was going to say, I think it's also, it's geographically comfortable. If you're comfortable foraging and living off the land stuff grows in this area that doesn't, I mean like the diversity of vegetative stuff I can just get from the woods yeah. is awesome. And, and so it wouldn't, I mean, it's more comfortable being able to, to exist in society. I will say that, um, there are, there's my biggest issue would be the, the visiting of the family, but my family's in California. So I, I'm probably going to be head on to the, to an actual mandate issue before people in Tennessee where I don't, I just don't think there's the will to do it here still. Right. Do you guys have uh stinging nettles up there? Oh yeah. 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 That's awesome. And it, and it grows plentifully. I know uh, on our farm in Western North Carolina, it, there was, it, it grew everywhere. Like for at one point we were uh, eating the chickens, eating the eggs and the nettles. Yeah. And pretty yeah. much that was like, we had eggs and or nettles like every day at least. Right. And um, at, at one meal or another. And so it was like, we had, I would say we were maybe 65, 75, somewhere in there percent, um, consuming everything we, 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 uh, we made other than like things like cheese and bread. We'd sometimes make our own bread. We, we experimented with some of the, um, the crops that were growing there to see if we could make bread out of them. But for the most part, like we had certain staples that we would get from the store, um, you know, the cheeses and, and, and breads and stuff like that. And some of the meats, uh, yeah. like buffalo. But yeah, it's like, I guess the real test was, you know, in the, during the pandemic, how often did you guys have to go to the store or, uh, did you go to the store at all? We didn't need to go to the store at all. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. And yeah, actually I took that as a battle cry for how can I just not need the store? And, yeah. um, and so now I do, like, I do use the store. Uh, but uh, my goal is to get it to an annual purchase at this point where once a year I buy everything, like I'm still using commercial laundry detergent or whatever. And, right. all, and, and, and what's happened this year is I just document what I'm using and guess how much I need next year. I'll know how much I need. That's a good point too. Like, uh, I haven't, like I've experimented making my own toothpaste, making my own yeah. deodorant and that's what I use. Um, but I haven't experimented with making my own shampoo. I mean, I've gone with Castile soap, but it's sort of like, <laughs> you know, makes the hair kind of like oily or whatever. And then yeah. uh, the other thing is like 
laundry detergent. Like, yeah. I don't know how yet to make laundry detergent. Have you guys ever experimented with that? I made laundry detergent for a while. Uh, I also had very hard water, and I find that the commercial detergents that are liquid work better, and I haven't cracked the liquid detergent. That, like, I've made it according to the recipes, and I still end up with solid matter in the detergent, which then sticks to the outsides of my drain pipes, which clogs my mm. pipes. And that's a hard water interaction. Um, I do a water softener now, so that may change that that calculus this is just curious for me what is hard water it's like water with actual minerals metals? in it like iron and calcium yeah and i don't yeah yeah that's good for you right but right but it's pipes don't like it too much <laughs> nor do cars evidently because our neighbor's sprinklers go off and it goes on the side of my truck and it's leaving like this filmy residue on the on the windows and on the, oh. the doors and i'm like oh snap yeah. Yeah. And, but, and, you know, as far as self like beauty products, um, that's something like if I had to do without commercial toothpaste or shampoo, I can, but I like some things that are commercially produced better. It's, it's, you know, it's like, yeah. if I can use it. I'm going to use it. So here's an interesting factoid on deodorant. The one thing that is I tried years and years to find a deodorant that I could buy that would work and nothing yeah. really, really worked. Um, and then I came across a random recipe with baking soda and coconut oil and then huh. with some sort of thickening agent. Like we use, I use arrowroot, right? Okay. We use yeah. cornstarch, but I use arrowroot <laughs> and I, it's like equal parts of each of those. And it makes this really amazing. Uh, you can't like roll it on. You kind of scoop it on your finger and then yeah, rub it around, it right? Yeah, but it lasts for days, and it it like is unscented. I mean, I smell like coconut oil, but other than that, <laughs> it's unscented, and it's it's incredible. And then like did the same thing with toothpaste. Literally, it's the same uh, recipe. You just add things like turmeric or um, even cocoa powder if you want a chocolate toothpaste, that kind of thing. So it's it's just coconut oil and uh, baking soda, right? Yeah. Um, but I haven't found something good for hair. So I'm just thinking like this is sort of just, you know, we're talking about preparedness for anybody who's showing up uh, right now. We're talking about preparedness in the face of such things as mask mandates not, or not even mask mandates, but like, mask. yeah, I can just her, take this right here and do that. Right. Yeah. The, the jab mandates, let's say. Yeah. Right. And that's yeah. sort of like a looming thing that a lot of people are dealing with in some parts of the world. Like Pakistan, you can't get a job. If you don't get the jab uh, yeah. in Australia, you now have to have an app that checks in on you every so often and you have to take a picture and it has to be in geotagged in your home to Holy know that crap. you're on, on house arrest. That's legit, like a legit thing. And I'm just wondering, where's the breaking point? And when that breaking point pops, what does that do A to the social contract, B to the the um, the supply chain? Right. C to governance, government, the state, police, all this. And when something like that happens, that creates more chaos than I think people are prepared for insofar as that other people will step in and say, oh, no, Trump's really the leader. Or, oh, no, Biden's running, you know, and then you'll have that. But then you'll have other groups like those crazy guys, the not fucking around club that showed up in Atlanta marching down the streets, right? The um, they were like black militants, like we're going to take the capital of their state. Mm -hmm. Um, so then you have weird shit like that. And in that, like, okay, 
So there will be supply lines. I mean, even in, in rural, you know, but fuck Afghanistan and they've got people bringing goods and services, but it's just not what we would expect from a Western civilization standpoint of consistency. So this discussion is being is kind of instigated by what's going on around us, but also in regards to like how prepared are you um, for personal hygiene? Let a, and then food production, uh, yeah. communications. And so we're using the holler and where Nicole lives right now is sort of an example so that we can have a discussion, um, you know, around that and, and, and sort of bring all of the listeners. If you have questions uh, or comments in the chat, whether it's YouTube or Odyssey Equipment, all caps, and uh, we'll see if we can address them in the course of this discussion. Cool. Yeah, somebody on Odyssey says, I'm glad to have a non-Google operating system on my phone. So I've said this for years, right? The the future that I see in the short term is a lot like Star Trek, where they go back in time to the guy who created the first warp drive. And yeah. the, it, the plot, whatever, it, the setting is what, what concerned me. And it was that there was this high technology. People had phones, people had guns, people had, you know, electricity produced locally on their, their own microgrids. But like a large percentage of the population was gone and there were factions. There was no superpowers. There was no United States to speak of. And that's something that I could see taking place, right? Where we have this sort of technocratic, uh, you know, dystopia that's being built on online with tracing and, and phone tracing and all of that. Meanwhile, you know, a breakdown of the actual grid and civilization, right? Slowly, it sort of seems to be be happening more and more, and and like the United States has slid further into third world status than I ever thought it could. So yeah, in, in, well, in and your, then people in, are making the choice to walk away from modern convenience, right? So totally. I think about the Amish who, in practice, stay away from anything that's reliant on on the grid or a bigger government structure, right? So no power grid, but some. Some communities allow solar chargers and batteries because you're generating your own and it's independent. Um, I, I start really relating with the Amish in the last couple of years in that regard as I look at, you know, if, if, if I don't have power, I don't have water. It, well, I do. Ooh. I have water powered by my legs going down a big hill with a bucket and picking it up and walking up the big hill, right? Right. Wherein if I had, a, if I had one of those pumps, the old fashioned mechanical pumps, I could pump water up and yeah. you start looking at those things and thinking, wow, you know, if, if some of, so if some of the localized mandates were to come in and, and it was, you know, what they've done in California during the, the lockdowns, right. Was shut off power and water to places. Well, I got my own water here, so that doesn't matter, but matter, but they could shut off power and internet here. That's, yeah. Those are my two things, right? Yep, yep. How how uh, resilient are you all on power? Um, not like, very. Have, we we can run generators and that sort of thing. I don't have solar panels or anything or water mm -hmm. hydro. I don't have self generating power. I don't have wood based power. Yeah, a so, lot of the farms and houses up up uh, next to our property they have wood based heating yeah. systems. Like a, a little yeah, burner outside that. with a pipe underneath. Yeah. Well, I have a wood okay. stove in the house. So, like, yeah. when yeah. when power goes out in an ice storm here, it's just, like, put put a cast iron skillet on the stove 
which is already on keeping me warm. And that is my heat anyway. So it's no change for me. Yeah. Um, and like last year we had that ice storm. We were talking about it. People were calling, Oh my gosh, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, it's just darker in here right now. And yeah. my water and, isn't running. <laughs> and propane stoves. We, we ran propane yeah. stoves. Yeah. Yeah. We literally had dinner in a crock pot when the power went out during the ice storm, <laughs> dumped it into an enameled Dutch oven and set it on the wood stove to finish cooking. And I was like, why don't I always do that? There's no point running That's the power great. from the crock pot. <laughs> right, right. And I bet it was, I bet it was tasty too. Um, mm-hmm. There's something about cooking, you know, I, like camp stove cooking. I love cooking on a camp stove. Um, it's, it's really simple and less, it's more primal, right? Um, I yeah. always prepared in the way it's different having a family and, and dependents, especially yeah. little humans who don't know how to fend for themselves in the greater, big, greater world. And like when I was younger, it was like, yeah, just give me a knife. I'll go out in the woods and like, I don't need to be comfortable, right? Like that's not the point, uh, to have the skills to get comfortable is important. Um, but now it's like, oh, well, we need to have consistent meals and we need to have consistent hygiene and rhythms and all of these other things that yeah. we just sort of had, you know, growing up as Gen Xers. Um, and so I think about like, as amazing as this sounds, like I think about also people their age and community, right? Like to lessen the, the, the traumatic impact of such a thing on their yeah. lives, you know? Yeah. So I mean, if with, mandates go in, I'm still not getting it is the thing. And and the cool thing about people, the U.S. is that they can't just federally say I don't think it's going to fly for them to federally say mandate. It's got to come from, you know, oh, you can't go into grocery stores now because the grocery stores are enforcing it or we're, right. we're seeing this whole wave through the jobs and people are sticking it out till they get fired. And we're you're talking about this, too. There's lawsuits already on the books about this whole issue. Yeah. I don't think that they have the mandate from the people to allow such a thing. And if they really did push it, and I think it's more of like a war of attrition, right? Where they're going to do, like you said, okay, now it's the restaurants. Now it's the job. Now it's, you can't go to the hospital unless you have, and they're just going to remove the social services that we've all taken services, right. That we've taken for granted, like freedom, commerce, you know, the ability to travel freely until people like, it's it's like, oh, okay, now it's like almost determining where everybody's line in the sand is. Oh, well, I need to go and travel interstate to do business, or I need to go and travel internationally to do business. So I'm going to, yeah. you know, get the bullet and get it. But I think those people that are willing to give up their human dignity and sovereignty for those treats in the rat maze are like literally handing over their humanity card Um but then the other side of that, right, is like Bill Burr said it the other day in, in some like skit. Uh, he's like, he was asked by one of the late night hosts, what do you think about the conspiracy that the vaccines are, you know, a depopulation agenda? And he's like, I'm all for it. You know, like, give it to me. And he's like, he's like, I'm all for conspiracies, you know, a good conspiracy. But this one just doesn't make sense. What, the idea is that they're going to depopulate the world using the vaccine. But all those people who are getting the vaccine are what they call the sheeple who they want right. to stick around so they can do their shit for them. Um, and so why would they kill them off? He's like, if anything, it's more about there's a they're going to release a, uh, a more strong variant and kill off the people that they don't want us, you know, yeah. people who, who think for ourselves. So there, there's those two two sides of it. But I kind of feel like 
I would rather take my chances with my my own immune system and the herbs that I know how to how to brew. Um, and I think that there are a lot of people with varying degrees of knowledge on how to combat this who yeah. don't want their genetics fucked with. Yeah, well, and it's funny. And it, I, I shared with you a note from a doctor, right? Uh, from a doctor who listens to us who said, you yeah. know, I'm not, I'm not ready to say F you to the system. Um, right. Personally, and maybe doesn't feel as brave to just kind of do more of the opting out like we're doing here. But he's like, every time I can write a prescription for ivermectin, I do. Every time and and, and notes about yep. not, you know, not wearing masks. And there needs to be people like us doing this in the system. And it was not it was a valid point. You know, everybody has their their comfort level and their risk level. Um, I, I don't intend to live like a hermit long term. And if if something in society forces us to be more hermit like, I think it's temporary because people are already standing up now. I, I've I've heard of parents yeah, storming I think more and more. And and this is yep. people are just over it. Yeah, yeah. I, I could see it getting to so my biggest problem with agorism when I first started on this podcast with you guys is like, okay, yeah, let's just ignore the state. Well, it's like at some point they're going to be at your door. And by that time, it's too late. So we, like even back then, if you remember, I'm like, we need to organize and build something else, you know, build an alternative or, or you know, forge a path that allows us to work together in some meaningful way with with some kind of agreements and contracts or governance but one that allows us to be in governance of ourselves in a, in a profound way. And because it really looks like it's going to get to the point where it's going to be at everybody's door. And by that point, it's just you. And in this case, you and your holler versus, you know, whoever rolls up. Right. And, and however many Humvees or tanks or whatever it is being like, this is a real pandemic. Now people are really dying and, and forcing inoculations or you get hauled off to a, a, a re-education camp or whatever they're going to call it, quarantine zones. Mm-hmm. And like, that's really dystopic bullshit, right? So yeah. the more that people are standing up now, like is better, but that comment from that, that doctor and, and I thank you for sending that in. And I, I want to say this in regards to that good for you, you know, but also make sure you're, and, and I'm not anybody to give advice because I'm not a doctor, but I would be more about whatever actually works Right. Rather than a political statement about it. Like, right. There was a there was a 16 month study done from March 20th, March 2020 uh, till now on death rates, age balanced or whatever they called it, uh, age um, segmented death rates. And the five countries in South Sub-Saharan Africa that are the poorest countries in the world have the highest survivability rate compared to anybody. In fact, you're 22 times more likely to die in the United States from, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the thing than you are in sub-Saharan <laughs> Africa. And that's because they have the thing, you know, they, they have malaria there and they treat malaria with what? Hydroxychloroquine. Hydroxychloroquine. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. So like whether it's ivermectin, Regeneron, hydroxychloroquine, there are like literally uh therapeutics out there that can lessen the 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 damage of a virus with a 99.97 survival rate so oh man i hope we don't get banned um 
It doesn't so, matter. Good. We're on Odyssey, you know. Okay, it's, good, good. This Kudos is actually, the what's this streaming on? This is streaming on my LFTN Odyssey and the Goose Odyssey. And then it's also streaming on uh, the Goose YouTube, which eventually will get banned on that. We already know that. So. Yeah. I, I think, like, I wonder how much of the population, like, we're early adopters, right, of the agorist ideology, let's say. Yeah. Uh, we want to take care of ourselves, grow our own food, you know, produce our own uh, hygiene products, all of these wonderful things, figure out power and water. And many people don't think about that. But as more and more of their lives are going to be traumatically impacted. Yeah. They're going to come over. Right. But how many do we have enough to actually create something different? Well, I think we already are creating something different. And that's the thing. When you say, you know, early on we were talking about ignore the government, I think that would be a bit of a a misnomer, although I'm sure I said just ignore the government and get started because I get tired of people telling me, but, 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 can't, 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 right? Well, what can you do? Because you can do something, certainly. Um, Right. Yeah. So it it's... um, I think it's more when I think about agorism, it's about how do we operate around the government, even though it's there, because unfortunately it is there at the moment. And we're not going to do a lot to just I mean, like the, if the government went away tomorrow, another government would be there uh, from, I think, just the right. social will of people is that they they want they think they need one. They think they need one. Yep. And somebody will come in and fill that void. And I don't think that. So if if a mandate comes around and people are going to like literally pick up their guns at that point, and I'm not suggesting they do that or promoting violence in any way. I'm just saying, you know, I, I read the tea leaves and I look and I say there's enough of a sentiment that that's that I could see that happening in pockets. And then depending upon what happens to those people, it'll either spread or everybody will be cowed in fear. And if it's so terrible what happens to them that other people are incited to, to stand up and do something, say, you can't do that to us. The way that we retreated and lost Afghanistan and really just lost our status as a superpower in those moments, what's left of that power will be exerted domestically, Right. We, we've retracted from so many different stations around the world that that colossal fuck up. I don't know if it'll be if what would happen here would be treated as such a colossal fuck up. I think they would actually like there are, there would be division within the ranks to some large degree. And I, I, I don't know. I don't know enough about military culture and military um, mentality at this time to know if there are enough people that there would be literally like a breaking in the branches, right? Like, would they, would they enforce what they're doing? Like in Australia, for instance, fly over helicopter runs to enforce their Americans in their own homes. Like, could you see that happening? I don't think we have the will for that in the military. I mean, you're military. What do you think? So my experience in the military was there is kind of a split between, we'll just say left and right. Okay. In the military. I mean, I've talked to some people that were very pro gun control in the military, but 
at the same time, a lot of those guys, I think if you were like, go fire on American citizens, they're going to be like, uh, no. But at the same time, you know, you take National Guard from, say, New York State and send them down to, say, Louisiana and, you know, post-Hurricane Katrina, that's kind of a different story. So I think it really depends on the situation and where you kind of will really start to get into more of a gray area with the military is regular U.S. Army versus National Guard. Yeah. I also don't see people like us being on their list. Somebody said this in a, in a comment, like, yeah. this, you know, puts a target on our back. I actually don't think so. I think we're actually yeah. level-headed individuals who don't go playing stupid games and trying to win stupid prizes in the streets at like a anti-mask rally, you know, where somebody just got shot today. Uh, you know, it's like, like I have no interest in being those things. You have no interest. Like those are the people. And then the people who, who swarm, you know, and who like, like deep, deep rednecks, you know, who like don't get bugged and they'll throw the beer at you and like, you know, just get in a fight without even thinking, you know, or deep in the hood or whatever. It's like, there's, there's people like we have a big IQ curve in the country, and I think that the people who are rowdy to begin with would probably become the first targets of such a operation if there ever is an operation like that. But what happens, whether there is an operation or not like that, is our supply chain gets fucked up, right? Yeah. Um, like what's happening in Australia. Like it's not being reported on the news, but I know people who are there and who are showing, you know, pictures and video of their grocery stores and there's nothing because the truck can showing pictures of the truckers. But that's not being told that the it's not in the mass consciousness that that's really happening, except through the social media networks and like the rumor mill, really, unless you can see a video or hear somebody's somebody's firsthand experience, you, you question, right? So how how do you plan on getting viable intel on what's going on if your internet goes down, for instance? Um, <laughs> the hard way, the hard way. Um, you know, in worst case, we're there has been discussion of carrier pigeons. I'm not kidding. In, yeah. <laughs> in key in key hubs of communication. So the way I see this working is the hauler is a hub. We have other hubs in our in our sort of most trusted networks. And what what needs to happen is it needs to expand out. This is why I actually love John Bush's freedom cells is because you can kind totally. of tap into that whole organization structure. But if, if it looks like, I mean, like right now I have to travel from here to the next hub to get a message. Yeah. I, we can do ham. We can do a lot of other things, but all of those things, if internet is out, those are probably also going to be affected. And, and that's, that's the thing that, you know, ham is a good backup, but it's not the only backup. And yeah. if the internet is out, what a bunch of our techie people in the neighborhood or not neighborhood, but in the network are going to try to do is figure out how to set up our own internet. Mesh um, network. Yeah. Well, so we have mesh. The mesh network doesn't go as far as it needs to do. I, I go, I guess I'll, is what right. I'll say. But that, 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 I think it's only going to be solved if it becomes a problem. You know, I don't think anybody's mm-hmm. going to build a U.S. wide mesh network that is somehow endurable. Just because. I wonder if the helium network is good for that. 
Have you heard of Helium Crypto? Nope. So they're using Tell radio frequencies. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I, I actually I ordered you know a couple miners like a year ago I think like in the middle of the pandemic. Um, yeah. And I just got a notification that they're finally shipping. You know after like a year. And that's the thing Whee! with you know buying miners or you know if you're getting into cryptocurrency in terms of yeah. uh, mining equipment, it's like by the time you pay for it and then they finally get it to you, the next model is already out and being sold, right? So it's like the the technology advancement is far greater than than the production uh capabilities however what they do is they create a radio network for internet mesh networks essentially and like there there are hubs all over the country using these miners and you're getting paid uh htn or hln or something like that which is the crypto um for plugging in the, this little miner that creates a radio signal in your area that as if it touches another signal, then boom, you have a network that you can propagate data on. Um, and so that's, it's actually a really cool system and I can't wait to, to dig deeper into it and start mining and, and figuring out how that whole thing works and how we can use that potentially if the grid goes down. Cause they, they're at least will be regional hubs. Right. Mm-hmm. And at that point it'll become, and I think in the next two years it'll become viable that people will be able to pass data um, on that network, if not already. Right. So that's one thing I'm looking at the pigeon. Was was it Jack who told us how to catch and capture pigeons? Um, like on he one of the probably last did. This came up like it literally, it was so funny because it came up. Uh, somebody I hadn't seen for a year said, I think we need a carrier pigeon between our farms. And then a week later I'm somewhere else at another hub. And they're like, we probably need carrier pigeons. And, and I just started cracking up because I'm like, we're talking about car- – we're, like, literally talking about carrier pigeons now. We're going back yeah. that far. I'm going to get a horse, too, so that I, you know, just need to feed it grass. Like, I don't know. That, that's it. That's Yeah, I, I was, uh, <laughs> you know, an ATV and then a horse. Those were my, like, short short range, you know, and, and like, I picked locations where, okay, I am this many days walk from the nearest big city, right? Just like the old days, right? It's like a, a half an hour drive is basically one day's walk, right? Um and so we, we got our farm and everything positioned for that. But on the pigeon side, I don't know how to hone a pigeon to two different locations. I know how to hone them to one location. And I don't know if it's as easy as taking the pigeon that you have at your coop and then taking it to your house for a week, you know, and then back and forth a couple times maybe. And then it'll know to fly back and forth. I no, I think it, this is the way I understand they work. It hones to your home. And you basically walk the thing to the person's house and they ah. have a set of pigeons that know to come back to me. Uh, but there's that, I think there's always that manual step back. That's how yeah. I've understood so it's like it. One way pager. Yeah. It's like a one it's way, a one way, it's a one way to, street. Yeah. Yeah. You have to do five, eight, zero, zero, eight and send a pigeon back to your place. Um, yeah. that'd be boobs on if anybody had a pager back in the eighties and nineties. Um, so my perspective then, though, like, I'm thinking about this, Xavier. We had a bad tornado in 2020 in March. It took out internet, phone, and power. Wow. And cell phone. All of that, like regionally for probably a hundred mile perimeter. And here's how I got my information. Walmart. So I drove to Walmart in my PJs. I am people of Walmart officially after that day <laughs> because I didn't think I would get that far from the house before I had a cell signal. So I just jumped in the car to see what had happened. Right. And right. 
I walked into Walmart and said, what happened? And somebody told me, I said, is there internet here? They said, no, there's no internet for like a hundred miles. And so I drove home and we turned on the FM radio and the radio stations were keeping everybody informed. And, and like, I couldn't even make a landline call at that point. That's crazy. And, and so, the fact, so you go ahead. No, it's okay. And it was that way for almost a day. Which so you is, brought up Walmart, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. Because that's their long-term strategic plan, right? It's to be right. the distribution centers for the basic goods and services for all the good sheeple who've gone along with whatever program they're rolling out. It's going to be guard by army. And no, I don't think that the order will go out to the army, go shoot Americans. It'll be go save these people. And if you encounter any resistance, put them down or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And they'll like they'll think that they're doing the right thing or be part of the, the solution. What do you think about that? Your turn. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the way that they do structure stuff or if you go through, um, I think it might be public information, the um, incident command response that they have, but it's, it mostly revolves around, yeah, they use the National Guard to either rescue people or guard the assets for, you know, the FEMA camps or whatever. Yeah. Distribution yeah. of the supplies that they have. Um, but it's also, it does show a certain level of incompetence because I've been involved with some situations where we had Air Force pallets of water to ship to Puerto Rico. Right. And we tried to get it shipped out to Puerto Rico and they were like, well, it didn't come from a FEMA warehouse, so we don't, we can't take it. Wow. It's Ooh, saran like wrapped. Like yes, it's sitting yeah. on a pallet saran wrapped. It's brand new. Just came from a factory somewhere and they didn't want it because it didn't come from a FEMA camp. So I think that a lot of it, yeah, will revolve around rescuing the people that they think need to be rescued and guarding their own supply chains and whatnot. So, Oh, and that'll probably be the biggest role that the military has, right? To guard its own shit, to take yeah. care of no. its own. Right. And then, you create like different casts almost of, of humans out there. Those and like like us, we're all like the stick our heads down and hope the storm blows over kind of folk. Uh, where others would be like, I ain't standing for this shit, and they go and do something about it, and they, yeah. they you know end up somewhere that they don't want to be, or maybe they do. Who knows? But yeah, who knows? It it, it really comes down to res- resilience and. People talk about like, fuck you money. Like I got this much money in the bank. Hey, go do this thing for me. Fuck you. Right. When you grow your own food, when you provide your own hygienic products, when you produce your own water and power or collect your own water and produce your own power, you have a fuck you lifestyle, right? It's, it's like you coming with us to the camp. Fuck you. You know, like I don't need to, you pay us this much, whatever. Like F you, I don't need to. So that level of confidence that I know our listeners have and are looking for more of comes from the more resilient, more self-reliant. I mean, self-reliance is such a thing now that they talk about it at Burning Man. Like there's whole festivals that are built around radical self-reliance. Like, do you think this is like a psychic precognition that's subconsciously (laughs) blowing up in the population for no good reason? Or do you think that we're fucking know something's coming? Well, go ahead. There's also another aspect that you have to realize too. Don't underestimate the arrogance of the government. 
because they're under the assumption that everybody wants to come to their FEMA camp. <laughs> I, I don't know about that. I don't. Uh, well, I mean, okay, seriously, yeah. when point, you, point taken, right? They're there really incompetent. He's right. Yep. When you look at it, they just assume that, you know, somebody's going to take care of them. Well, they assume that, oh, we're going to set up this FEMA camp and then everybody will come in and get the supplies and then they'll go back to their house. They don't really pay attention to the people like us that are like, um, yeah, a hurricane just rolled through putting off, you know, an ice storm and tornadoes with sharks flying through it. And I'm just going <laughs> to chill at the house. Have my coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys heard anything from Louisiana lately? Um, I know. So I work with the CAC team. I help them kind of do outreach when there are disasters. I used to help them dispatch, but I, it's just not fitting for me mm-hmm. in my life right now to do that. But they have been bringing supplies to people in flooded areas. So Very cool. out, out of Louisiana, there was a lot of damage and um, what what they do, it's Citizens Assisting Citizens is the, the organization. And it's yeah. this crazy idea where I'm a person and I have something and I have the ability to help you. So I'm going to bring it to you and give it to you. And yeah. they raise money. They can make $10,000 go further than probably $50,000 that the Red Cross gets, maybe $100,000. And yeah. it's like literally, I remember in Harvey, we rolled up on an old folks home that hadn't had power or water. And they were about to start drinking out of this this polluted fountain with that flood water had been through because they were that thirsty Ooh. with a pallet of water and like and you know like the more elderly are frail they should not be drinking right. you know, Giardia water creek water but right you're gonna drink Giardia water rather than no water if you're that thirsty and you know we had like nope. they have stories like that coming out of Louisiana now where. You know, it was just the last chance, and then they were able to deliver stuff. So, I and so that's where I have hope, Xavier. Is that stuff is what I see happening? I see that yeah. we have hubs for distribution. I look at our network, your network, my network, the yep. Unloose the Goose network, Jack's network, and we have doctors and Freedom lawyers and, and manufacturers yeah. and food producers and all of these skills and. All we have to do is agree to trade with each other. Yep. That's it. Yep. It's, so, I mean, it's that simple, right? Yeah. There's these conflicting sides. Okay. So number one, CIC, Citizens Assisting Citizens, I think was birthed back in 210 or 211 when I was on, I ran a search and rescue company, company, yeah. right? It was me and my buddy. Um, and, we went and got all the training, search and rescue. Uh, I, I took tracker school. We went out on a couple uh, searches for people. And Jack was like, why don't we actually do this? Make this a thing. And, like, I think it's time for me to get back involved in that because there's there's a deep satisfaction in assisting others, right? Mm-hmm. I think we all have that, especially in times of need like this. And yeah. I have the ability now to be of service in that time. So. That's something I got to chat with with him about, or or maybe you, and see how we can do that. And then I'll, I'll link the you thing, up with them because he's all hands off now. So yeah, yeah, I can yeah. Put you in touch with operations. That would be awesome. And then we should get we should institutionalize freedom cells like in the Unloose the Goose, TSP, Firon, all of these different networks, and and even have them uh, you know represented on Firon as well. Like we can 
get everybody communicating or at least like uh, a directory. The problem is, is how do you secure that? Because then it becomes easily hackable and easily boom, there, there's your terrorist cell network. You know what I mean? So it's like, <laughs> fuck. like that's literally the only reason I've been like, ah, you know, um, but it, it's important. We need to create a network of communications or at least like people that yeah. we can rely on or count on, find out who's ham radio operators so that we can communicate in, in the case of, uh, and all for educational purposes and just on the outside chance that things really go bad. Right. Hopefully yeah. we'd never need that. But well, I, and th- if so, things do go bad, like they're not going to be bad forever. That's the other thing. True. Very good point. And they're not going to be bad for everyone. Right. Cause right. there is like as horrible as this sounds, there are people like we have a lot of people, right? Not unmanageable. Like we can manage that. We can manage the resources properly uh, if we could. Right. Mm-hmm. But there are people who are just not useful in any way, shape or form. According to the military, for instance, like if you have an IQ below a certain amount, like they won't bring you onto the military because you literally are counterproductive to anything that they try to do. So, the fact is, is like when times are good, we have the ability to take care of in some way, shape or form those people so they have some kind of quality of life. But yeah. like things are really untenable in the way that they are being run right now. So you've got these bad guys, quote unquote, who are pushing some kind of depopulation agenda, which would probably happen naturally anyway. You know, it's happening naturally. It is right? happening as as yep. countries become prosperous, more prosperous, they they shrink. That's the thing. No. Yep, it's totally true. I think and right now, actually, China's having a population growth problem, as well yeah. as Russia. Russia incentivized their people, like, we'll give you a free refrigerator, I think it was, for every child you <laughs> produce or something. That, that was really a program for a minute. Um, I don't know if it's still going on. <laughs> Yeah, I know. So I, I spent a lot of time in Europe and in Germany in particular. And the social program there, you get paid for a certain amount for your kids. And part of that, and then they have, you know, fairly aggressive child care options there. Very mm-hmm. different than here. And that is because they need the population to grow to set a tax base to be able to afford their social services. And it's shrinking. Mm-hmm. And we're there too. But we're not talking about it like that. We're, right. you know, it's. I find it very interesting that the last stimulus that went through was all about f- paying people who have kids, basically. It was paying mm-hmm. people who have kids. And I'm like, gosh, that looks a lot like they're worried about population decline to me. Like, why else would you do that? But they're not I, talking about yeah. it that way. Well, that's an interesting bit, too, is that we are not treated as responsible citizenry. We're treated as a herd to be managed and maintained. And that's what governments do. But it seems to me that with the complicit education and willful cooperation and incentivization of the population, we could get a lot more done a lot quicker and more efficiently. Right. And when they treat everybody like second class creatures, like, they have these plans, but they don't tell everybody about the plans, right? That's duplicitous and dark. And I think like we live in a period of time where everybody's duplicitous and deceitful. They post pictures of themselves that are not really themselves. They have filters and stuff. They 
you know, puff themselves up. Oh, look at my fancy car, my this and my that, and lead completely different lives online than what they are in real life. Yeah. Well, and, so, the, and, and then that, like, incites people to emotional response, which is part of how we're manipulated. The degeneration of, of culture. Yeah. I, I mean, it's been interesting. You know, I, I've seen pro- the propaganda machine for many years, probably since I think I first became aware that what I was reading in the news was propaganda about 1994. And, and since like the ramp up in the last two years of how obviously propagandized our communications are about what quote, just what's going on is. Yeah is insane and that people still don't see it at this point. You know, I'm back to that. You know, when you first discover libertarianism and you're like, this is the best thing ever. And you go out and you evangelize about it and, and nobody gets it and they argue with you and you think you're crazy. Right. That's right. where I am with the propaganda. I'm like, well, how, I, I just want to smack somebody, you know, like I, I want to hit you because you don't get it. I just want to smack you upside your head because it's so blatantly, it's like so over the top obvious. I don't understand how you cannot see it, but they can't see it. I think that's what's happening too, right? Every, like every new crazy fucking thing that happens is a whole new squad of people being like, wait a minute, this might not actually be good, you know? And so <laughs> yeah. there's more and more people squatting up onto the ranks and and they're just like figuring things out for the first time and they're like what do you mean the government's not here to help and then you know two two days later they're like you know antarctica's real aliens exist you know like they just go <laughs> and it's like uh we got to we got to sort of keep keep it on we the got, timeline we got chill like, on that a little bit um, yeah <laughs> yeah exactly oh goodness i i think um ways that we're me personally and our family uh, like we have pre- preparedness solutions, let's say, right? We have like the basics of food storage, water, uh, purification, you know, with a lot of different backups, right? And I, mm-hmm. what I sort of do is I think about it, worst case scenario, prepare for that. And then once that's kind of handled, then like, okay, better case scenario. Now, like we're getting, you know, luxury items for the survival situation, right? Um and so we take care of water purification first was was really the first thing with knowing that we have locations that we can go to for for shelter. But, you know, yeah. outside of North Carolina, Florida is really good. And then uh, food storage and then protection. Right. Some of the basics and then barter. And like we talk about this a lot on other episodes about what service can you provide to your community or your neighbors, let's say, that is valuable to them that in a grid down situation, localized micro economies, what, what do you have to trade in value? So what, how, how have you guys thought about that in the holler and your local community there in Tennessee? Coffee. Well, yes. I mean, that's a given, you know, (laughs) everybody's going to need some effing coffee. That's for sure. I would say how this community and the wider LFTN community has organized in that way is, um, we were friends first and developed trust. And then as a result of doing things together, figured out different people have better skills in different areas. What's your perspective on that? Cause you were there the whole time. Yeah. I mean, definitely we, 
if you look at like the Tennessee GSD crew, it's a perfect example that we were all friends and we started doing stuff together and we kind of figured out strengths and weaknesses. And of course we talk a lot of shit, but you know, (laughs) there are those of us who are better at, you know, the technology side of things. And then there's those of us who are better with the, you know, construction side and, you know, even between all of that, I mean, we've got a bunch of birds here right now because we had a friend that is unable to take care of them right now. Like, By birds, he means 28 turkeys arrived with no warning. Yeah. A week ah, ago. that's, I was wondering, yeah, birds mean different yeah. things. A friend of mine was like, hey, do you want a couple parakeets? And I'm like, bah. you know what I'm going to do? No, turkey. Yeah, yeah, turkey you can, you can eat and, yeah. They have value. We had we had the infrastructure to take care of them, so it was like, yeah, I'll go pick them up, and you know, for now they're in the chicken tractor. But you know, it it was just something that that was an aspect that we're set up to be able to take care of. So it was an easy move for him to call us instead of you know the other guy. Yeah, yeah, and, and so I think it just has become apparent. The thing that I like to say is if you if you are a doer. And if you hang out with doers, that part will work itself out. Mm-hmm. It's when yeah. you allow a taker to stay in your midst. And I don't mean like somebody who's having a bad day and needs a pat on the back. <laughs> I mean somebody who's consistently sucking and vampiring off your, your community. That person needs to go. Yeah. And if you're really yeah. – that's what I worry about most. I'm like, vampires out, vampires out, vampires yeah. out. And if everybody else is a doer, they will figure it out. And you don't really need a command center at that point. And that's how agorism can work, right? Totally. That's literally agorism in action. It's when you have those takers and the empowering of the taker. Um, and then the, it's, the taker gets into power. They want a structure to stay in power. And I that's where you... Huh? Yeah, no, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. That's okay. I was basically done anyway. I think John's got a really great idea in the freedom cells with the, the groups of eight, right? Because yeah. you can come to consensus really well. We've, you know, talked about that in our model as well. And like, how do you do that in communities? How many people are in, in the holler community? The immediate holler is just four families. So maybe eight. Yeah. And then we, fl- yeah. So less than eight. There was one, two, three. It's So you guys come to decisions six. pretty quick. Everybody's like, yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah. Yeah, we have yeah. we have our I mean, like any group, like we have our moments. Um, right. But then we have immediate, very close friends in the network who are flow through here all the time. Yeah. But like less than eight core who are like, yeah, every day kind of. No. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. And th- and that's really good. And then let's say you get more people than, you know, it bifurcates two groups of eight and you've got a, 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 a squad or whatever of 16. Um that that makes sense. In terms of, uh, I, I saw here a comment that says, I've got 90 bottles of wine stashed away, <laughs> which is like your coffee, right? This, these are great trade goods. I I was talking to somebody about my investment strategies, and I was saying, you know, I'm heavy on crypto, right? I've got real estate. I've got stocks. And then I have, you know, things like gold and silver and, and you know, buried in various places around the world. And then, but also like, trade goods like whiskeys, right? Whiskey um, is great. Tabasco, I mean, tobacco and, and, you know, things like that, like coffees. Those are really great barter items that'll get you, if you're missing something in the short term, unless you have yeah. a re- renewable supply, 
um, then you can do that. I actually don't know where my still is now that I think about it. Uh oh. Crazy. I know how to yep. make one, but I don't have one. Well, I actually just got <laughs> one, uh, like a nice big copper still for my oh, wife nice. for making for medicines, right? So she's yeah. thrilled on that. But who was that crazy guy on TSP a long time ago who was all about the electrical systems and the making your own um, alcohol? Oh, that was Stephen Harris. Yeah. Steven, yes, I, I got one yes. of his stills a long, long time ago. Oh yeah, I sold, um, I sold one. I got one of those, used it three times, and sold it. Yeah, you didn't like it. Well, I don't hate it, but I can turn a pressure cooker into a still, and it's just one more gadget hanging around. And I don't just make moonshine, right? I right, mean, fuel. Right. I don't just make fuel, so right. I don't need to keep this thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually kind of prefer some of these commercial whiskeys that have been aged for a long time. You know, I'm a bourbon person or a scotch person, and, and, and there are some distilleries that do a very good job, much better than I do. And and you've also got to figure that some of those things are going to exist. Like, big yeah. corporations are going to have their resources. They're going to have – the rich people are going to be somewhere safe, you know. Um, and, and, and so in some ways, like, right now where we're at is in one of the most wealthy states in the areas in the world, Right. Um, right. my, Miami, South Florida, Boca Raton. It's like, it's like literally like the best water, you know, they have, it's so clean, you know, um, right. and places like that will actually fare really well during a, a sort of breakdown in law and order. Um, they'll become targets to other areas, but they have so much money and security forces already that, you know, it'll actually be safer to be around. It's, it, it's kind of like being around the city states, you know, way back in the day. You know, I continue to see in our network a, a, a lot of fear of what could happen because what we're seeing really mirrors what happened before Hitler came into power. Yeah. And then shortly after Hitler came into power and people see what happened in the concentration camps to the Jewish people and to other quote unquote undesirables. And they're worried that will happen here and that the division is going to be the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. And when I see our folks, our tribe making decisions from that fear, usually the decisions are bad ones. As And that's where we need to get beyond the fear and onto the building, in my opinion. Like we're you know, whether your reality looks like you're going to copy the Holler Homestead and do as much off-grid stuff, or you're going to be prepared in a different way, finding your community, working with your community, being a doer and active in the community, and finding alternative oh. ways to get what you need is much more important, I think, than being scared of what's coming. Uh, because in a lot of ways, what's coming is going to go as far as the population lets it go. If you've already decided you're not letting it go that far, you've done what you can do, I think. What do you think about that, X? Matrix X right now, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, I'm having spotty connection. I'm concerned that I see a bunch of different groups in the United States, like Telegram channels and stuff, where people are very well organized and actually doing stuff together. Um, yeah. I mentioned the Tori Says show once, and, and her crew, like, they've got organizations in each state, and they get together regularly, and it's they, they're doing, like, litigation and, you know, letter-writing campaigns. And I think it's really important that, that whatever way that we can, like the doctor who wrote the letters, like, this is my part. 
This is my part yeah. in this whole big fucking story. If this is the only yeah. thing I can do, then I'm going to do it. And I think that that's crucial. And I think people who are like, you know, I'm not going to wear your fucking mask. No, I'm not going to, you know, wear five masks. No, I'm not going to get your jab. Like, whatever manner of resistance you can employ, it's important to do so, but not from a place of fear, but from a clear fucking knowing that we are destined for something better and that this whole system has to fall apart somehow for us to get to that next good thing, right? Yeah. And that it's just a natural cycle of life, like flowers bud and then they blossom and die, right? Plants grow and then they fruit and then they die. It's like, this is the natural ebb and flow of life. And if you understand that, uh, I, I, I saw it on some podcast where somebody was talking about this and saying, uh, they were coming from it from marketing sales and just a realistic, like entrepreneurial bent and saying, yeah, we're on a decline. This is a declining period, but there's still lots of money to be made. There's lots of opportunity. You just have to look at it clearly without the emotional terror or fear or concern um, and say, how can I use this time to make my life and my family's life better? And then, yeah. so when you've got that resistance, you actually have something to fucking back it up with. Like I grow my own food. I'm reliant on myself. I have like all of these water power, these t- things taken care of. So I feel confident enough that I can say no job. You will not force me to get a jab. And if you do, Oh, by the way, I've done some research and figured out the lawyers I can contact to go and sue you because here are the documents I'm going to have you sign that if, if I'm going to get this jab, then I then you're liable now. Right. Because you're coercing me. You know, right. there are. And if they don't do it, then you have like a legal case. But you just have to think, how can I better? And I think that's the, the case for all agorism. How can I better my life in this situation right now with what I'm seeing out there? Yeah, and it kind of reminds me of, I can't remember the quote exactly, but it was a permaculture quote, and I think it was Bill Mollison, but it might not have been. It might have been Jeff Lawton who said it. It was Jeff Lawton. Um, somebody was giving him a proposal with a lot of just really tight parameters, like there's a pond here, but it can't drain there, which would be the best place because there's regulations. And And he said, basically, the best designs in permaculture come when you have the tightest restrictions. And I think in a lot of ways... Uh, this this decline period is a huge opportunity opportunity to expand agorism. Yeah. Because when people are uncomfortable, they're willing to take additional uncomfortable steps. And that's true. That's a big and thing. That's what I was saying earlier. It's like like some line gets crossed and everybody's like, wait a minute, this is actually not good. You know, there are so many people who regret getting the jab. There are so many people who regret voting for Joe Biden. Like there's so many people waking up and hating, especially what happened in Afghanistan. Right. But uh, the the. Gosh, there was a point and I wanted to make it, but I lost it. Um, and we're only drinking yeah. water today. <laughs> yeah, I got a uh, elder tonic flower, uh, tonic water for my yeah. quinine. Um, nice. Yeah, I think that it, that's that was what I was going to say. Anybody in the audience, you should be you shouldn't anything. But if you wouldn't mind sharing this with everybody that, you know, who actually gives up about themselves and their families <laughs> and being able to, uh, you know, withstand whatever storm comes. Um, th- we're setting this up as a resource, as a network, as a beacon saying, hey, you know, there are ways that you can prepare for this time. There are ways that you can better your life during this time and mostly just be still 
don't buy into the fear porn. Don't buy into the, the, the terror. I've read all of the post-apocalyptic books out there, you know, and emotionally <laughs> prepared myself for this shit. But there's no fear in this anymore. It's like, okay, it's, it's almost like a video game. Like I'm watching all of these parts play and I'm saying, okay, what's the best way to navigate so that my family comes out the other end of this five, ten years from now, whatever it is, uh, better off for it, right? And so if you have people that are like that in your circles, introduce them to Nicole, introduce them to Jack, introduce them to John, introduce them to me. Like we want to, I want to meet them, you know, I want to have yeah. them on the show. I want to discuss things with them and find out what everybody out there is doing so that we can become well known to each other so that when and if things go not the way we want them to, we can look at each other from across the country and say like, Hey, there's somebody that you can go do business yeah. with this way, you know? Yeah, I think it's really important to now more than ever to really pay attention to the relationships that matter and to the things that matter. And I think something that we forget to talk about, because we're always talking about the mandate of the jab, right? We have a lot of people who listen to this show who have it. Yep. They got it. And they also don't agree with the mandate. Yep. Those people in a time, if it like really went crackdown like they're trying to do in Canada now, where you can't go into any restaurant store or anywhere else as of October right. 1st without the passport, um, some of the people who listen to the show are going to have the ability to have a passport. So, and you think use one of that. Them, you think one of those people that actually got vaccinated isn't going to be like, Business opportunity. <laughs> I will go shopping for you at the Walmart if you don't there have you the vaccine <laughs> for a five percent commission. But you know that. There you go. Because the narrative they're trying to pit one against the other, and there's no reason to be pitted against each other at all. Nope. There's no. That's not the right line. That is not the right line. Aggressor, non-aggression. That's the line. And I think it's an indicator of your emotional intelligence, whether you can look at somebody who is doing the opposite of you and still have love for them, right? If you can, then you're doing great. If you can't, then you need to pause and take a fucking good look at yourself because we're all like literally in this together. No one gets out alive and how you, you spend your time now, not tomorrow, because tomorrow never comes. I wake up tomorrow and it's today. Right yeah. now, being and invoking that higher state in yourself that makes you feel good at whatever the cost. Right. You got to be that guy in the concentration camp in that movie who makes it like a Disneyland for his kids. Right. Make the best out of every situation. Love thy neighbor and and really support one another because we all make mistakes. We're big walking bags of jelly have that are have no clue what the fuck's going on half the time. Right. If we're lucky, we can figure out how to play in the in the world as it stands. And make do and, 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 you know, increase our quality of life for ourselves and our descendants. So I've got nothing but love for people who've been vaccinated. I might even do it myself. I need to travel internationally. Like, what the fuck? Right? Right. So I don't, I don't know. If you charter your own plane, do you still need it? Thing. That's, that's, yeah, the exactly. Thing. Uh, like it, if I it, may, it may like literally become, I got wads of cash so I can do what I want. That's, that's kind of what I'm looking at. Yep. Yeah, same here. And I don't know that. It, it, and I think that's really a, like a legit sentiment. I think that the people who have, and here's the other bit. If you play this right and you keep, you know, do your resistance now and whatever, but if things get untenable, like you don't have to go around being like, 
fuck the system, this and that, like, you might not even get asked. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Some places it's, it's, they're, they're, it's, it, you know, like you said, if I roll up on a boat up to the shore, they're going to check my, my passport right there, you know? So it, I think, and that right now, that may depend where you go. If you go to Australia, that might happen. But, you know, I was, I was talking to a friend the other day who wanted to come here from out of country and they were like, I think chartering a jet might work. Yep. Literally. Yep. And, so, and I thought, you know, you, you're probably not wrong. Charter a jet yeah. and be here in order to do business, and never mind, restrictions gone. Yep. Private airports. There may be no other restrictions. No. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's literally like rules for thee, not for me. So play well, it smart. Well, it's because rich people can't spread it. Yeah. Yeah. You make over a certain amount each year, and yeah. you're immune. You're immune. Yeah. As near as I can tell. Uh, I was having a talk with my friend yesterday. Tell, so I'm putting together this, what I'm calling a self-reliance festival with special nice. operations equipment. Do you know who that is in Camden, Tennessee? That's John Willis. He's, oh, I know the name John. Yes, Willis. Yeah, so there's this whole cool network in Camden, Tennessee. John Willis has a company called Special Operations Equipment, and he's having an open house on October 23rd. We're, but right before his open house, we're doing an event that's called Self-Reliance Festival where people demonstrate practical and tactical skills. So it could be like how to throw a knife. It could be how to make cheese. It can be how to change the oil in your chainsaw. Like all of these different demos will be going on there. And then we're going to have freedom discussions, some like guided salon discussions, people selling their wares. It's going to be a really good time. And I explained it to a friend of mine and she said, you know, it's funny, Nicole, we live in this time where skills learned by poor rednecks who couldn't afford to hire somebody are what people are, <laughs> what the biggest thing people are seeking now. And I said, that's about right. That's you about know? right. So <laughs> that's, one that's of the workshops that I do, one of the workshops that I do, and I was going to do this last year at Jack's before I got the, the Rona. Um, yeah. Maybe I'll do it this year was how to demonstrate your value in, in 10 seconds. So you don't get shot. Right. Like imagine, and the reason I came up with this is because I was hiking in the mountains about around our farm. And I was like, wow, if I have to hike from here to town, I don't know half of the people between here and there. You know, what if they come out with a shotgun and they're like, who are you? It's like, I'm Xavier. I'm not sick. I've got a family. I'm a cert certified trained uh, community emergency response teacher. I'm a ham radio operator and an emergency medical technician. Don't shoot me. Right. Um, and yeah. I come with goods and information, right? Like the quick elevator pitch of why you should not kill me, right? <laughs> like, like, and, and do a quick, uh, a quick exercise on, on figuring out your primary skills that, that everybody would find valuable and then practicing the pitch in front of everybody, right? Yeah. So that would be kind of funny. And people don't realize the skills they have. That's the other thing. Yeah. They did. They don't realize, you know, people say I have nothing to give to the network and I'll come to discover like they're a paramedic or totally uh, yeah, um, they know how to bake the best sourdough bread in the county or I don't know what. Like they have all these skills that they've never realized they had because for them, that's everyday life. Right. And like you said, like us rednecks, you know, that have had to figure out things on our own. Now, all of a sudden we're valuable to the community. It's like, yep. Yep. So you got a comment. We got a comment from James White. Yeah, it was over on Odyssey, so I pasted it up here. And they're saying um, that NetJets and FlexJet does not check for vaccine or negative tests. 
So that's your private jet charter companies. And those are like the group private charter companies, right? Like they got a plane. It's kind of like a ride share for private jets. Yeah. So yeah. it costs three, 300 to 500,000 a year for 50 flight hours. Yeah. So it's more so expensive. <laughs> well, obviously, but if you're, if you're a frequent flyer, you know, it makes sense. Especially I hate, I used to love airports as a young person and traveling. It was like the thrill of adventure. And, and then literally like two years ago, I was like, this sucks. Like we're herded like cattle. We're treated like cattle. We're searched. And I remember when nine eleven happened, I was like, oh, that's it. That's, that's the fucking end of our freedom because yeah. that's when the TSA was created. And it's like, once you create those systems, they never go, they seem to have not gone away. And it's only the complete breakdown of our, of our social system that can take it down and everybody be like, you know what? That was a fucking bad idea. Let's never do that again. Um, but they've created jobs. There's a whole economy around it now. And it's like, yeah, that shit's not going away. So you've been no. conditioned to become prisoners in your own life. Yep. 50 flight hours is a lot. So that's $10,000 an hour, by the way. I was just figuring that out. How many people fit on one of those jets? That's the next question, right? Like, is that right. for one can seat? You, yeah, exactly. Is it 50,000? Can we all go to Jack's workshop in, you know, one awesome charter flight from, I don't know, Knoxville, Tennessee to Dallas? Yeah. I would guess between... Five and 20 people per flight, per yeah. plane, depending on the size of the plane. Yeah. Right. Right. That's, that's where you I've, start asking, how can we, how can we leverage that? Yep. I think the, the cheapest, uh, jet, private jet that can travel from here to Europe, let's say, is yeah. around, it's between 2.5 and 5 million. I can't remember which one it was. Um, but there are, you know, semi cheap options in that, in that category. Um, that I've had my eyes on for a while. Um, plus I'd like to just be a pilot, right? Cause that's another preparedness, self-reliance thing. Like if I'm a, like if I'm a pilot and I have my own plane, uh, then I can handle a lot of my own travel. And do I need a, do I need at that point, a, a piece of paper saying I can travel or not? Who knows? No, you just, you, if it's a smaller one, you're hopping more. That's, that's the thing. Yeah, which is also fine, right? Because yeah. the kids need to take a piss and, you know, go to the bathroom and stuff. So Yeah, um, hard to do I know they got them on the plane. Not all yeah. of them. Not all planes. I was on a flight. So I, I ended up, one time I got this, like, Expedia flight or something, and I'm driving to Nashville Airport, and I'm going Nashville to Atlanta and then Atlanta somewhere else. My first leg was on a an eight-person little flight that didn't go above 10,000 feet, like one of those from a private airport yeah. right next to Nashville airport. And it flew in it to Atlanta. No, no TSA screening. No, right. no need to show my ID. I could bring whatever I had. You know, if I would have had a water bottle, I could have brought it. No bathroom though. No bathroom on the plane. Yeah. It was too small to have one, which is fine, but you're only up in the air for an hour or two. I can't remember how long it took. Yeah. And, and I was like, this is amazing. If I could just go from private airport to private airport anytime I want to go somewhere, I would actually not even care. I'd totally. rather do that than sit in the tube. Yep. That's so, right. So what's the event that you've got coming up? Well, that's what it is. It's October 23rd, 
the Self-Reliance Festival at Special Operations Equipment in Camden, Tennessee. Actually, if people are interested in this, go to livingfreeintennessee.com forward slash um, Self-Reliance Festival, and you can sign a ticket's only 30 bucks. It's from 10 in the morning till 4 p.m., and then at 4 p.m., um, a party starts at at Special Operations Equipment, so they'll it kind of flows into that. They don't have on-site lodging, so you got to lodge in the area, but it's going to be a good time. And if you have something you want to demo, if you are one of those poor rednecks, there's an application there to apply to become one of the demonstrators too. Cause we've got and about what's, 20 what's openings the, right now for that. What's the website? Living um, I'll write it in here. Living free in Tennessee. Oh, let me, let me get it for you. Living free in Tennessee.com forward slash self-reliance festival. So I think I just got it in chat on YouTube. I'm, I'm, you know, the queen of spelling it wrong. That's all right. <laughs> That's a, those, those are a lot of words together. Well, um, it's a lot to type while you're saying them too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's very and by, you know, by the time this is a podcast, if you go to my website, it will also be in the events slot. I just finished the page um, last night, and I have not short like short linked it to my homepage yet. But it's it's happening right after this recording, actually. So okay, it'll be very up there. awesome. Yeah. So that's what I got. I got end of September. I'm I'm going to Vegas to meet with the tribes. Uh, end of October. Oh, by the way, my birthday's coming up uh, next week. All right. Monday next week. Yeah, I think it's the uh, it's the 16th, so maybe seven days from now. Um, yeah. So end of September, Las Vegas for me to meet with the tribes. Then end of October, hopefully uh, Tennessee to for your self reliance festival. And yeah. then no. And then Jax is November, the, the first week or second week of November, 11th, 12th, 13th, right? Yeah, somewhere around Veterans Day. That's when it is. I, uh, let me look. I have to look at my cam, my camera, my, this telephone thing. Does John yeah, have so anything it'll, coming it'll, up? It's 11th, 12th, and 13th, but you can arrive on the 10th and then leave on okay. the 14th. And John has something in October, I thought. John Bush. Yeah. Uh, you want to go check John Bush out at freedomcells.org. And yeah. then uh, what's his podcast website? I don't know. Um, Tactical's going to look it up. I'm sorry. I didn't know that off the top of my head. Live free now. That's Live right. free now. I totally did. Live know free now. Totally. Head. That's right. And the then we've got Jack with, uh, Jack with the survivalpodcast.com. A um, lot of great information in that. You can do a search on his website and find any topic from hydroponics to, to anything self-reliance, really, uh, especially yeah. business and, and economics. Um, yeah. Niti Bali has uh, the Meat Church. Do you know the website? Farm2ForkMeatRiot.com. <laughs> That's a great name. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. You know what we should do? Because there are a lot of events coming up between now and the end of the year for all of us. Every yeah. one of these events is an opportunity to meet people who think like you. That's you're right. listening to this or watching this. And those in-person relationships are invaluable. Crucial, yeah. And, and if you are Don, who is a California refugee looking for a state to move to, um, you know what you got? You got a chance to go talk to a bunch of people who are like-minded about where they live and to see some places and the experience you will have at a lot of these events is that life went back to normal for yep. three days. It's totally true. It's totally true. 
So, yeah. Dan, uh, any recommendations on state county to move to? Uh, Texas and Florida and Oklahoma are, are seem to be the most rockinest states, you know, maintaining the, the Constitution and freedom right now. Uh, and each one has its own particular particularities and drawbacks and, and booms. So, um, like Nicole said, come check us out. Uh, connect on the Telegram chat at t.me slash unloosethegoose. Um, check out Freedom Cells as well. There's some great community members there. Check out Fyron, Fyron.com, uh, as John likes to say. And uh, our telegram is t.me slash Fyron, P-H-I-R-E-O-N. And connect with all of us. Yeah. Share this. Share this with your family and your friends or any of the people that you feel might actually give an F about their 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 destiny. Absolutely. I, I think that's really important uh, to connect in person if you can. And, you know, support your fellow agorists. That's the other thing is everybody in our, there are so many people in our network doing things like Patrick Rorman, who does the neck knives at mtknives.net and people like that. You're going to find as you're talking mm. on, on all these networks, people do things. John Bush sells Kratom and CBD. There's all this stuff that you can just tap into. And rather than support somebody who's making you show a passport on the way in the door to their store, why not? Just order it Show your from people. another address. Yeah. Not a bad idea. Support your people, people. Colorus.com. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and if you want some good coffee, definitely check out Colorus.com. So that that kind of was like a, a broad spectrum discussion on a variety of topics, everything from doing your own uh, personal hygiene, power production, food production, building local networks, and it, every week we sort of talk about. Kind of the same thing, but with a focus on, on a different uh, aspect of it at each time. I am personally stoked. Okay, so here's a question for you. What is the next project that you guys are working on? What, each of what you individually. Regard? Like, like it, the next project that, to build your self-reliance and your, your the strength of your community. Do you know what you're building or do you need to think about it? I've got a list. Okay, well, give us like two. two. He's like, let me look at my phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To to sum it up in two things, the two big things that I'm working on is expansion of the various different animals that we have. So I'm in the process of building some rabbit tractors, getting ready to start rotating pigs, so forth and so on. And yeah. I'm also in the process of reclaiming some old garden spaces. So I've got tarps down, killing off all the old weeds and everything like that. And just got the fence for one of the garden sections done. So it's like legit and the birds ain't going to get in there and screw everything up. So that's yeah. kind of two big things that I'm focusing on right now. Yeah, I'm that's working awesome. on holler dollars. So I'm looking at how do we turn the holler neighbors into a cooperative if only there was a phone yeah. app for this where we can really track who puts what into the system and yep. have a better way to, to balance. Some of us work outside and bring resources in. Others put more labor in on the ground without the tax man feeling like he needs to take a piece of it every time. Because literally, we're working together on raising rabbits. That we, we actually processed some today. And that you know a lot of that labor was tactical. And yeah. so he should get, you know, that share. And, yeah. and so I'm, I'm working on that on a theoretical level. If only there was a phone app for that. And, um, we have three clients, by the way. Are you dying? 
<laughs> I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm totally like, I'm chomping at the bit. You have no idea. I've been chomping at the bit for such a long time. And like, everybody's yeah. being really patient. And I'm super appreciative, but like, we have three clients now. Uh, I yeah, sent yeah. out the light, the, the app license to three different clients and they're all like stoked about it. Uh, one is a nation. One is, uh, and two are nations. They're tribal nations. So, yeah. um, I'm very excited, right? Because it, we're going to, we're going to be this year. It's like, it's happening. So very excited. Um, yeah, so you're so working that's, on the currency. That's- that's yeah, awesome. so we're just on just how that'll work, and it's overlapping with the food church idea that Nephi has, and overlapping yep. with this. How do we just do a church of the agora, right? Yep. If we yep. organize in that way, does that make sense? Um, and I know Jack's playing with that too. I have to reach out to him and have a talk to him about that. But that's as that's long as I'm a high the, priest. Yes, exactly, exactly. Grant, Grant um, and then I think. You know, practically speaking, I've been gradually peeling the homestead off of its reliance on outside inputs, right? So this yeah. year it's been less grocery store. I'm looking at energy now. So we, we added awesome. a solar water heater. Um, we're actually working on a problem at my house right now, but then I want to start peeling off some of the electricity needs. That's, that's the next thing I see here. That's awesome. Here we just, finally fenced in our, our whole backyard. Um, and the next bit is kind of like re- what you were saying there, tactical, like reclaiming some of the land here and getting it prepped for garden beds. We're going to do bananas and mulberries and sugar cane all around the fence and then start growing the permaculture gardens inside. Um, and then I've got a, an aviary that's going to be like a multi-purpose walk-in aviary for nice pretty birds, but then also chickens, pigeons, rabbits, and quail. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking to get into some backyard, uh, husbandry. So, mm-hmm. but I, I love the, I love the homing pigeon idea. And I think it was Jack who did tell us how to capture pigeons. And I was like, that's, yes. that's like how you capture turkeys. It's hella easy. Yeah, no, I think somebody over on Odyssey said he talked about getting them from under overpasses. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and just, doing that yep. if you, if you yeah, can't put, just... putting a putting a box oh yeah you could just go capture them if you can but like making a box with like a cage on the uh that's like four inches wide and then yeah you know you just go and feed them get them used to you being there take a week yeah. doing that then go with the box and and have it upside down so they can just go in and out put the food in there they get comfortable with that and then flip it over and you've got the cage on the top now put the food inside they go in they can't get out boom you've got your pigeons yeah and then you gotta train them Yep, and then you keep them in their coop for like a week and feed them, and then eventually you can open it and they'll keep coming back. Yep, that's, so that's and, then, uh, and they're trained, I guess. Yep. <laughs> well, awesome. This has been a really fun discussion, actually. I think we should figure out a way to. It was easy for me on Zoom to include the community and get people to just join in and yep. have a a gaggle. Uh, what the what the what was it? What the flock? What the flock? Talk. What the flock yeah. talk? Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to do that again. So. Well, we can do that. Um, I, I'll talk to you after this about logistics on that. It takes a little okay. bit more organization with StreamYard. All right. Very cool. Well, awesome. thanks, everybody, for being here. I, uh, there was a great chat in the, uh, in the chat today. Um, great comments and great ideas. So thank you very much, and God bless. And we'll see you next week. Unloose the goo. We'll take no view.